Um, hey, Virch. How you doing? I'm good, Mick. I am doing all right. Surviving. Hey, that's good. Hey, happy Thanksgiving, man. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Uh, I just want to say happy Thanksgiving out there to all our listeners. Uh, If you are listening now, then you've followed the instructions on this episode bio uh, and are likely, uh, well, we genuinely hope that you are sitting alone in your apartment uh, eating a very, very sad turkey sandwich, um, maybe with one loved one, maybe with none. No more than four, and even then, you're really pushing it. Less than three households. Uh, I, I'm honestly hopeful that anyone listening right now uh, is listening by themselves or with a significant alone other. Alone is the ideal. Yeah, alone is ideal. Uh, followed very, very closely by with a significant other who does not find this podcast very funny at all. Ooh, actually, that would that is a close yeah, second. Actually, finds it quite grating. And um, and difficult to power through. Uh, so so yeah, I mean, hopefully you've got you've got some earphones in, or maybe you have this on in the background on your your nice stereo system. Uh, and you're yeah, just Alexa, you're, just ha- you're hanging out, man. You're you're just you're 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 figuring it out on a weird day. Um, and we're here to be your um, your background music for. Uh, what is sure to be one of the weirdest Thanksgivings of your life? With that all in mind, uh, I guess we should still do the the theme music, so we'll just get into it. All right, theme music time. Welcome to the Hegelian Friendship Simulator Thanksgiving Woo-hoo. Special. Woo! Working title. Working title. Working title. Uh, on both parts. I don't know how much there is to be thankful this year, but we're trying to, you know, we're trying to make it work. What do you so think? Yeah, for, you know, it's. I I am thankful for my health. Mm-hmm. I am thankful for um, some. Some amount of uh, self, uh, what's the word? Self, self work and self help. I guess that's pretty redundant, but yeah, you know, I'm I'm thankful for just being alive right now. Growth, growth. It sounds yeah. nice. Growth. How about you? Um, you know, I'm thankful for um for my family. Uh, for... Oh right, no, I'm definitely thankful for my family and my <laughs> friends and all my loved ones. Uh, you know the, the the little life I've got here down in San Diego. Uh, nice little little home, an apartment that we no longer really like living in, but we still do. <laughs> um, a lovely cat named Croissant. Oh, it is I. I can't believe we waited until episode six or this yeah. non-episode to introduce croissant. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you maybe have heard her in a few episodes. I I do record in her in her bedroom, uh, our office, uh, and sometimes she doesn't like being stuck in here with me. Yeah. Um, but you know, he, here's the other thing, Verge. Uh, something else I'm thankful for that mm. oftentimes. Um, goes unnoticed by the majority of Americans uh, and is a central theme of Thanksgiving to some people. I sure am thankful for free enterprise. <laughs> yes. Uh, so so welcome to my, um, my Gen X Twitter celebrity monologue. And... Uh, Buckle up, chuckle fucks. Let's uh, go. Here's the real story of Thanksgiving. <laughs> you see, to most of you, sorry excuses for Americans, uh, Thanksgiving's all about peace between pilgrims and natives, Yay. even if it was just for one day. They gave um, us blankets. They, they taught us how to cook turkey. Nope. In fact, uh, like most triumphs of American history... Thanksgiving is the story of liberty and free enterprise in the face of socialist-induced famine. Did you know that, Verge? Were you aware of that? I, you no. stupid tell fuck. Me, tell, you're right. 
well, at least that is the defining narrative of the uh, conservative talk radio milieu uh, mm. of the last 50 years or so. Um, I found one particular article that I wanted to share uh, in quite a bit of detail that comes from the Mises Institute, M-I-S-E-S. Um, the Mises Institute is a think tank from mm -hmm. Auburn, Alabama. Uh, so you know it's good. Yep. Uh, Auburn, Alabama, to all of our listeners, you may know it as the breeding ground uh, for new senator Tommy Tuberville, mm. uh, who is widely considered to be the dumbest person to ever be elected to the United States Senate. Uh, that is literal articles that I read about Tommy Tuberville. That's so sad. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather die on the fucking toilet. <laughs> Um, so the Mises Institute uh, also was described by the Southern Poverty Law Center as a neo-Confederate organization. Wonderful. Uh, yeah, that not not necessarily a good thing. Um, but uh, I found a lovely, lovely article from 1999 that they published um, called "The Great Thanksgiving Hoax." Amazing. And I'm going to read a little bit of it for you. Please. Um, I get to sit back and chill and relax and listen to this blasphemy. Well, Verge, each year at this time, school children all over America are taught the official Thanksgiving story, and newspapers, radio, TV, and magazines devote vast amounts of time and space to it. It's all very colorful and fascinating. Oh, it's also very deceiving. The official story is nothing like what really happened. It is a fairy tale, a whitewashed and sanitized collections of half-truths which divert away from Thanksgiving's real meaning. And thank goodness for the Mises Institute. I, um, that, that was, that's how they open it? That's the first two paragraphs of Emphatic. this lovely article. I um, love it. The official story has the pilgrims boarding the Mayflower, coming to America and establishing Plymouth in the winter of 1620, which I will say is this is the 400-year anniversary of that. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, the winter, the first winter's hard. Half the colonists die. But the survivors are hardworking and tenacious, and they learn new farming techniques from the Indians. The harvest of 1621 is bountiful. The pilgrims hold a celebration and give thanks to God. They are grateful for the wonderful new abundant land he, is in, he has given them. Uh, then the official story has the pilgrims living more or less happily ever after, each year repeating the first Thanksgiving. Other early colonies also have hard times, but they soon prosper and adopt the annual tradition of giving thanks for this prosperous new land called America. However, the problem with the official story is that the harvest of 1621 was not bountiful, nor were the colonists hardworking or tenacious. 1621 was a famine year, and many of the colonists were lazy thieves. Oh, they're probably Marxists too, huh? They probably liked yeah. that Karl Marx back then. They did. They liked him <laughs> a lot. Uh, I, lazy. Th there is a, a couple of really nice like touches, editorial touches, and lazy thieves is one of my favorite. Um, I love it. So. In the harvest feasts of 1621 and 1622, all had their hungry bellies filled, but only briefly. The prevailing conditions during those years were not of abundance, the official story claims. It was famine and death. The first Thanksgiving was not so much a celebration as it was the last meal of condemned men. Ooh. And you wonder why they don't teach this story in the third grade, honestly, <laughs> like... Why Why are our elementary school students not learning about the last meal of condemned men? <laughs> yeah, they're ready for it. Yeah. Uh, but in subse subsequent years, something changes. The harvest of 1623 was different. Suddenly, instead of famine, now get God gave them plenty, Governor mm. Bradford wrote, and the face of things was changed to the rejoicing of the hearts of many, for which they blessed God. Thereafter, he wrote, any general want or famine hath not been amongst them since to this day. In fact, in 1624, so much food was produced that the colonists were able to begin exporting corn. Do you know why, Verge? 
No, why? Well, according to the Mises Institute, yeah. to rectify this situation, in 1623, Bradford abolished socialism. <laughs> he gave each household a parcel of land and told them they could keep what they produced or trade it away as they saw fit. In other words, he replaced socialism with a free market, and that was the end of the famines. Simple as that. Um, many it, early groups uh, groups of colonists set up socialist states, yeah. all with the same terrible results. At Jamestown, established in 1607, out of every shipload of settlers that arrived, less than half would survive their first 12 months in America. Most of the work was being done by only one-fifth of the men, the other four-fifths choosing to be parasites. In the winter mm. of 1609 and 1610, the, called the Starving Time, the population fell from 500 to 60. Then the Jamestown colony was converted to a free market, and the results were every bit as dramatic as those at Plymouth. Everyone lived happily ever after. Um, wow, so, that really warms my heart. Yeah, my reaction to this article is, do you... I can't even fathom how much hatred you have to have for your fellow man to come to like this conclusion out of hearing the story of the early colonies. Like that this is your takeaway is that oh these people were like dirty parasites and the colony of Jamestown deserved to have their like 90% of their population perish in the most unfathomably horrifying ways in a new place that they've never even been before i i, I don't know it, it's so viscerally mean-spirited <laughs> i i don't know how you could have that that worldview and be not just be a miserable awful human being i mean i think you are a miserable awful human being yeah I mean, this is this is one of those things where it's like hard for me to be surprised at this tone at this point. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? It's very hard to come out of four years of Donald Trump after eight years of George W. Bush. Um, obviously, I'm leaving out the Obama years, um, <laughs> which weren't perfect. Uh, yeah. But to me, it's just like, yeah, this has been going on. This kind of rhetoric has been going on for hundreds of years in this country. Yep. And... <laughs> Yeah, it, the amount of just vitriol that is allowed to be legitimized. It it takes a very simple soul to like a simple mean spirited soul mm -hmm. to to justify their worldview based on a parable mm -hmm. of people that lived before both the term socialism and capitalism existed. Like. Like, don't get us wrong, this, the 1620s, the world existed under a system of mercantile, mercantilism, you know, yeah. like it wasn't even capitalism at this point. No. There's a, the there's a great Slate article that like kind of went, you know, tried to debunk this libertarian view and it said, the Rush Limbaugh crowd should note that the settlers at Plymouth were rebelling against the rules set by a corporation, not against the stricture of some Stalinist collective farm or hippie commune. And then they said, I mean, is Halliburton a socialist scheme? New York University historian Karen Zepperman said, uh, yeah, this is also a bit of a stretch. Halliburton oil engineers aren't rotated around to different drilling sites and compensated based on the last group's productivity. In the end, no matter which side of the political spectrum you fall on, it's a questionable enterprise to draw lessons about contemporary politics from early 17th century agricultural practices. But yeah. hey, it's a free country. The, Everyone the, has a right. <laughs> the simplest way to like frame this is like people really... It's it's just such a lack of understanding of history and and such short-sighted, I guess, is like the nicest way to put it. Fucking stupid are the two words I would use. Um, it's um, just, yeah, it is. It's fucking stupid, and it's just a good... the idea that not only do they, it's it's simultaneously uh, placing their understanding of history around their fra understanding of the framework of contemporary times, 
and also simultaneously thinking that contemporary society should operate similarly to how it did in 1620 when there were literally no like there was no infrastructure there was absolutely no system established on this giant plot of land yep it's it's, it's double um, stupid <laughs> it's childish i mean it, it is it yeah. is, is like a child and and you know i think it i think that the knife cuts both ways in a sense like i have certain or i have many principles like political dreams or, or idealism about a certain system that mm-hmm. i am fully capable of understanding will never even come close to achieving in my lifetime or in my grandchildren's lifetime you know mm-hmm. like the 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 concept of believing any of this stuff is not so deeply complex that the um the gears of like collective humanity don't outnumber the the perspectives of single men like it, the libertarian project is so insanely goofy to me mm-hmm. uh the biggest issue is just the sheer confidence with which yeah well i think the biggest issue is that there are people with serious amounts of money that believe in the libertarian project yep the you know the Koch brothers being probably the most mm-hmm. uh impactful and they have the ability not to do any good towards their project, but to just cause like immense amount of chaos. Yeah. That's all they've done in the, like particularly in the Midwest is just funnel money into politicians who are totally incompetent and have screwed the like balance of the system up so much to an incomprehensible level, like to a level that can never be put back together. No, it's yeah, that's that's what I always feel about, you know, like moving into Joe Biden's presidency, hopefully. And um, <laughs> and, and this idea of like reestablishing the systems and the institutions that were dismantled in the last four years. It's like, mm, but the institution, you know, was already rotten from the beginning. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean it, it's all broken. It, it's I don't know. I'm. It's hard not to be kind of pessimistic about that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's really easy to be optimistic about um, like community projects, community right. movements, um, right. the the collective spirit of like humanity. Like, I'll never not be optimistic about yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the American political system is just like so broken and we've we have uh in no small part groups like the mises institute to thank for that and just like absolute batshit buffoonish um Mm -hmm. political ideals uh so with that in mind i have a, a special clip um of a really, really strong thinker that I want to play. <laughs> I, I, I want to talk about it. So, so without further ado, let's hear it. All right. Roll, roll the clip. The left has always hated Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving can be interpreted as a religious holiday if you believe in giving thanks to a creator. But they hate Thanksgiving because they believe there is nothing you should be thankful for in America. This is an awful place. It is cancerous, rotten to the core. <laughs> Tear it all down, burn it from within. Why would you be thankful? Instead, we need a revolution. Remember, as the Students for a Democratic Society radicals once wrote in the 1960s, they said, conflict is the origin of everything. What happens when you're thankful? By definition, you're less likely to be involved and engaged in conflict. Thanksgiving is supposed to de-escalate any sort of pre-existing issues in our country. And now they're using the virus as an excuse for you not to be thankful. We'll be right back. <laughs> that man has a baby brain. He has that a little has a baby brain. Little baby brain. But I, pro- oh, yeah. No, no, no. I 
I was gonna say the problem is like he he makes these claims, doesn't back any of it up with anything other than these like emphatic absolutes. Yeah, he, fe- he speaks so confidently. Yeah, I think honestly, I'm wondering if we should just pivot this podcast into a confident right wing like grifter podcast. I if think we're we trying would, to get numbers in this. Yeah, country. I think we would develop a way bigger following. Um, yeah, I love. One of my favorite, like, right-wing grifter things, honestly, everybody does it, too, in this country. It's like, yeah. it's like um, when people talk about Snowball in the novel Animal Farm, mm-hmm. everybody talks about the left. I don't really know if anybody knows what they're talking about when they say the left. It's this amorphous blob of people they don't agree with, but, like, none of... There is no left in this country. There's like no organized no. left in this country. This th- we, we can't. We have never had any sort of like actual energized, organized movement from the left. Maybe the last four years, but even that was stomped out by three candidates dropping out in the Democratic primary. So it, like, I don't know what they're talking about, and I love that they get to use it as a boogeyman. Uh, it's immensely frustrating. Yeah, there is, there is, I totally agree with you about that. Um, Something I've noticed in the last few years is like, you know, I don't have necessarily a confidence that uh, the people that I generally agree with on broader strokes um, are necessarily reaching conclusions because they're thinking on their own. Right. Um, And which, of course, you know, I want to establish right now that I'm someone who takes that and uses it as a way to check myself constantly. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, I had to sit amongst a group of people uh, the week after Donald Trump was elected who all considered themselves part of the left and they argued whether uh, Donald Trump won because of racism or sexism. And it was a two-hour fight between people who are technically the left debating whether it was racism or sexism. Right. And, and and to me that just that makes it hard for me to maintain hope in in what i would consider like our side or whatever you know if you were to bifurcate it so simply yeah well yeah but that's think, the issue with like monolithism yeah absolutely I, I mean i think bifurcating that's a great way of putting the problem is mm-hmm. that like the the, the left is traditionally referring to like a group of collectivist organizations like trade unions, mm-hmm. communists, mm-hmm. like socialists. Even that is like in most like I feel like traditional sense is not the left. Mm-hmm. Certainly like a traditional liberal by mm-hmm. no one's standards in the global political environment would be considered the left. Like the neoliberal idea of like free markets and and uh, international trade and, and uh, you know, movement of peoples, all this stuff, like that's not the left. And we, the problem is that we have the same political, like this binary linear political sp- perspective on social, cultural, economic, like you name it, like a lot of different um, issues, and then we we superimpose them all over each other, and right. you end up having these political coalitions that make no sense because it's not a two dimensional graph. It's no. like a fifty like it is it is an incredibly layered thing, mm-hmm. and yet we we don't we don't educate anyone about their. We don't we don't ask anyone to to contemplate their own political beliefs in this country. Right. We just organize them into two groups. And those two groups are currently breaking at the seams because mm-hmm. they don't make any sense. They're completely uh, historically illiterate to and yeah. and and on top of it now, I mean this post, most recent election was built around like decency. And that mm-hmm. is dangerous in its own right because mm-hmm. because it's very easy to wear a nice suit and shine your shoes and talk nice and don't swear and bomb people in the Middle East. Right. And those people are considered decent mm-hmm. 
in the decency scale of left and right. And that's... I don't want to be in a coalition with those people. No, that's the thing. I don't want to be in a coalition with those people. Because, you know, it's 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 the paradox of this country where, uh, you know, you have... Because this is a unique circumstance for how a country is uh, represented and built by its people in terms of, like, all of the intersectionality that exists um, at every level... You know, it's 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 sad that it, it's kind of like seen as a diversion from the bottom line, which is to like make as much money as you can for your family to survive as long as they can and make a name for themselves or whatever. Yeah, like to contemplate these facets, right? These dimensions that extend past left and right is to waste time away from you know keeping your eye on the prize of making as much money as possible yeah yeah and continuing forward and so it's just you know like the joke of like philosophy being such a joke in this country for so many people yeah it's just an excuse not to like think about these things and yet people are wondering why this country is like running itself into the ground right yeah, I mean, it, it, when you put it that way, it, it's really easy to see that, like, um, the U.S. like culturally is like pretty primitive in many ways, you know, like, and and not and not because of a lack of, um, I don't know, like in- intellectual capability. No. I think, yeah, I think that the American popular, I think all people are like generally have the same limits to their ability right. to think critically um it's just that that american culture is built around um this american dream concept which exactly. 50 years ago was quite um salient and important and now feels very cheap and um i don't know like tends to tends to blur our appreciation of like the texture of what we're capable of as people and as groups of people uh, i think that's exactly it like um it's funny that you know you mentioned like 50 years ago it was you mentioned 50 years ago it may have been salient but you know that was what was setting the foundations for where we are now you know what I mean? yeah absolutely like absolutely. i think every country has its fair share of lacking humility um, mm-hmm but the humility that Americans lack is such a very specific kind where, yep. you know, if you grew up on the West Coast and you go to the East Coast, you're awed by uh, buildings that are so old compared to anything that exists on the West Coast. Sure. And then to think that the oldest buildings on the East Coast are nothing compared to some of the wonders that have been created in other parts of the country yeah temporally it's just like the it goes back to the short-sightedness that is just like rampant it's so true it's it's very it's very weird um it's weird it's really weird man this is a weird country (laughs) it is uh but uh thanksgiving uh is a cool holiday. I actually do like it. As much as Charlie Kirk wants to tell me that yeah. the left hates Thanksgiving, I love Thanksgiving. I think it's like one of the more uh, uniquely American, um, like, it, it's very, it, the quality of it is is uniquely American. I know, mm-hmm. other, I know Canada participates in Thanksgiving, Canadians right. listening, although we don't have a single listen in Canada, so we might be in the clear on this. But okay, uh, <laughs> uh, Germany, Ireland, but there, there, yeah, I think Ireland. Uh, there's an abundance, like the metaphor of abundance associated with Thanksgiving. I think goes really hand in hand with with American exceptionalism in many ways, and. Right. Um, you can't help when you participate in it. You can't help but enjoy it. You know, like there's I, some, yeah, there's something really great about it. 
It's a good time. You know, what's interesting for me that's always hard is um, I didn't grow up with the traditional feelings of Christmas or Thanksgiving. And yet they truly make me happier. And I, I will never argue against the benefits of the holiday season. Right. For the psyche of Americans. Uh, I, so, now, I imagine there are demographics of people who, for them, it brings up a lot of negative yeah. you know, generational trauma. Large swaths of people, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. But I get the benefit of it. I think what it takes is just like a shift in perspective, as with everything. It's just like we can still maintain the traditions of thanksgiving as long as we're all willing to understand the reality of what came of that sure yeah i i mean i don't know i think this is was it our was it our last episode where you know we should probably celebrate less things and (laughs) appreciate more things you know Mm -hmm. like and Mm -hmm. and I, i i mean to be fair like the day of thanksgiving is supposed to be a celebration and there are Mm -hmm. but like the we could do a much better job of trying to appreciate and understand nuance right much more you know i think that it's um even like the appreciation and understanding of the story of the pilgrims uh is a great example like did they probably were they probably um just lousy as as the the mice's institute called them like lazy thieves probably i mean probably Mm -hmm. were like pretty shitty people to a person um probably did some unspeakable acts to native peoples should we try and find some sort of appreciation or um like meaning out of the idea of leaving your home Mm-hmm. traveling across an ocean that you really don't understand how big it is and trying to start something new in a place that you in your childhood did not know existed. I mean, that's yeah. pretty cool. And I think it's like yeah. worth like trying to contemplate, you know, trying to... That, that's the thing. is like, of all things, Thanksgiving is built to be the actual holiday that we should be celebrating and yet the irony of how stubbornly proprietary people get like feel about it yeah there's yeah. no humility behind the actual day even Absolutely. though it's already built into <laughs> the meaning of the day like that's like a very specifically american disconnect and i say this as an american too like yeah I- i'm not just shitting on americans as a as an external you know perspective even though so much of my perspective is external um the, the, like to me it's in, incomprehensible that this day that is already understood to be about humility it it, it, it can be defended with such right you know <laughs> like condescending passion like <laughs> Absolutely no, it, it's, it's so well put. I mean, it's such a, it's such a paradox. It's yeah. such an American paradox too. Absolutely. Um, well, I am curious. I wanted to ask what. So, like, growing up, mm-hmm. did you guys do anything Thanksgiving related because of your okay. dad? Yes, I did, but it's it, it was very specific. It was a lot of fun, and it had nothing to do with the tradition. Um, on Monday of that week, because we would have Wednesday through the next Monday off, um, all the middle school, the middle school would put on like a a middle school wide Thanksgiving dinner for the faculty and their families. So I grew up eating Thanksgiving dinner. Sure. You know, and like having, having a little pie with my whipped cream. You know what I mean? And this was specifically because you went to an American school. Exactly. Right? Like the, Jap- the Japanese schools no. like would just like fly through that late Thanksgiving meant nothing to a, like a Japanese school, right? No. And well, because, but post-occupation, there was 
So November twenty third, I believe, is understood to be, you know, it's it is a holiday that is, uh, the Japanese translation for the you know Thanksgiving. Interesting. Um, but it has nothing to do with, <laughs> it has nothing to do with like, pilgrims. It has nothing to do with right. the history of America, as you know, obviously. In, in all honesty, it sounds to me like most Japanese, um most ideas that were imported into japan where they thought oh this is like a a good concept definitely to give thanks um we're gonna do it right around the same time because that's easy there's already a date set but it is to give thanks to labor Hmm. and and yeah like it's just like to give thanks to like the actual working people um interesting so, yeah, I mean, to me, Thanksgiving and Christmas, I didn't really understand why it existed until way later. Um, but I had some turkey, I had some, like, you know, cranberry sauce out of the can. Yeah. You know, gravy, just a shit ton of gravy. Like, it was yeah, great. Did you have stuffing? We did have stuffing. Yeah. You and know, we in call a small American community, we call it stuffing <laughs> in Japan. Really? So growing up, we called it dressing, which is yeah, uh, like more more southern. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's. Same, I know it is very too. regional. Yeah. And what's the? Is there a? Is there like a difference in how it's made? Uh, I mean traditionally, my I know there's like a bunch of ways. My understanding it, is it's like we called it dressing because we did not stuff it in the turkey's butt. So oh, like, it was made separately. We made it in a pan. Um, uh-huh. and it's like kind of bread crumb. It's like right. great, like bread and onion and mm-hmm. maybe some pepper, like very simple, very, very like, I mean, I, probably my favorite part of Thanksgiving dinner, but like very traditional Midwestern bland, um, <laughs> you know, like just not a lot of flavor to it. <laughs> like you're hoping there's a lot of gravy. You throw a shit ton of gravy on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's mostly good for turkey sandwich leftovers. Like right, it's a right, good, right, right, like, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stuffing was pretty like middle, middle tier for me in terms of the menu. Um, until recently my mom started doing a, more of a sausage stuffing. Ooh, that's good. Uh, and she just like makes the shit out of that. You gotta make her make her make um oyster stuffing. Uh, oh my god, that sounds amazing. That's like a big uh pack. Nor- oysters are a big uh, Pacific Northwest thing. I mean, sorry, yeah. obviously certain places, but like, but big Thanksgiving Pacific Northwest. Oh, see, I tradition. didn't know that at all. Mm. Oh I think a, a lot more on like the islands, more in San Juan's and. That makes sense. Yeah, you can just you know, you just <laughs> scoop them. If I get an oyster, I want it like you know fresh and from the shell yeah because i don't get oysters nearly as regularly as they do up there i'm sure so my weirdest uh food thing growing up was um mincemeat pie was a big which is uh is it's actually i don't know it's kind of it's not savory you'd think it's like a meat pie it's a yeah it's like a raisin Look, search it. It's, yeah, but uh, white people put raisin in everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I don't know. It's like kind of like a foraged pie kind of thing. Oh. It's my mom's favorite. I, you know what pie. I will say is, so I'm the kind of person who or mince meat, not minced meat, mince meat, all okay. one word. Um, the th- I am the kind of person who like orders like, like if we're at Earl of Sandwich, I will order the Thanksgiving sandwich. Ooh, yeah, fair like enough. Like regularly, like to me, like I know there's people. There are people who are like, no, I only like the Thanksgiving menu on Thanksgiving. Yeah, you know, I'm like, yo, give me that fucking cranberry sauce, some gravy, some turkey meat, like stuffing, all that shit, whenever. Um, I agree. So, yeah, like I, I really like the menu. Yeah. <laughs> okay, mince pie, mince pie. Um, I don't remember why I was saying that, but. <laughs> no, that was good. Uh yeah, it's it's like raisins and uh and spices. I, I don't know. It I, I'll like humor my mom and have a slice, but she really makes a full pie really. She's like, mm, I even though 
Nobody else likes this. I'm making it just for me. What's the meat? Wait, it's not. Oh, yeah. Okay. It, I mean, it looks like a preserve inside. It doesn't look like it's like. Yeah, it's know, like dry. It's dried fruits. Wow. I don't understand why Westerners like sweet bread is a meat. Yeah. Sweet meats are a bread. I might, I might not even be right about this. Mincemeat pie doesn't have meat in it. Doesn't no, have meat in it. No meat. Yeah. Do you know what head cheese is? Head cheese sounds like something that uh, uncircumcised people have to deal with all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that sounds like. To it's me. like the um. I guess like, I outed myself I, as a circumcised <laughs> person. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it head cheese is like the. Uh, it's like a. Um, I'm not even gonna describe it well. It's it's brain. I mean it. It's like a really thin slice of. No. Of what like lamb? It's a cold cut terrine or meat jelly, often made with flesh from the head of a calf or pig. Typically set in aspic, uh, usually eaten colder at room temperature. Truly, like I mean, I I will eat it, but definitely like one of the you low key know, worst I, things you can think of. I have to I have to admit that where you lost me was at the very end when you said cold. Yeah. Everything until then, I was like, you know what, spam is in my spam is in my blood. So. Yeah, I mean, it's look at that picture uh, of it. It's it's pretty brutal. <laughs> this is this looks like lazy spam my my grandma like in her last couple of years or not mm. last maybe like her last year decided that the only thing she would eat for lunch was a braunschweiger sandwich and braunschweiger <laughs> is like liverwurst it's like um it's like okay. poor person's pate so it's right, it's right, canned right. Pa- like you know um blended liver does and it you have just, that gritty yeah you texture. spread it on a piece of um on a piece of white bread maybe put a slice of american cheese on it and, like, and this is the american half of me talking was as long as it was salty man as long as it's some yeah, salty spread fair, right? yeah ah uh, yeah some of the and 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 white people fucking joke about asian food all the time yeah i mean what the fuck is head cheese bro <laughs> This looks so gross. Yeah, head cheese is pretty, pretty bad. This I, I like, like most food, and I am, I would have a hard time swallowing down some head cheese. I think the fo- like the photo on Wikipedia of for head cheese, is, <laughs> yeah, it looks like an option for like a countertop. <laughs> it looks like an episode of Fear Factor. Like it, it is, really does. It is one of the worst looking pieces of food. I think I've ever seen. Can we seen. just take out all the bits of meat that look edible and just have them as they are? I don't know. I mean, yeah, those are also like the cheapest pieces of meat on the animal too. Like that's the um, other thing is that it's like you take all of the the leftover bits and you put it in like some sort of preservative, like jelly. I think we should start a YouTube channel where like we take one of those like mid-century Midwestern cookbooks. Yep. Where they have like Jello salad and shit like that, and um, you make it for me, and I barf every time. Dude, well, there is a. I mean, I was thinking about like weirdest Thanksgiving food, and like in Alabama, um, mm-hmm. fuck, I'm gonna forget the name of the salad. Uh, what is it called? Um, Ambrosia salad. Yes. Yeah. Are you familiar? <laughs> yeah. Oh Yo, my god. Have you ever my- had it? Um, here's, here's the thing is there's like a difference between an ambrosia salad and like fruit salad, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this has like, I mean, it's, it's got like Dole Whip, um, yeah, miniature marshmallows, (laughs) like it's, it is horrifying. This is, this is like peak me, like struggling with my Americanness, you know, that, that exact like cognitive dissonance that I am dealing with every single moment of my life that I live in this country. <laughs> my grandpa used to make the dopest ambrosia salad. <laughs> yup. Like, I you're, don't hate it. I don't hate it. My dad's dad. Yeah. It, yeah. He he's was, Filipino. He's Filipino. Filipino. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, would, yeah. that, I think that fits. Ambrosia um, salad is like what you get 
Like if you're ordering like frozen yogurt and you're super mm-hmm. duper stoned and you're like, okay, yes. I think I could do, ooh, yeah, that, 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 you know, you're, you're like, That's... you should really do two toppings and one ice cream, but instead you have like six and no ice cream. You just have yeah. a dull whip. See, that's my problem with food. And it's not really so much my a food problem. It's a social problem with food. Is that, like, things like ambrosia salad don't, on its own, like, gross me out. Because I've just been so open about being introduced to food. And to me, it's like, oh, yeah, you put a bunch of, you know, sweet shit in some fucking whipped cream. That sounds great. Um... So- so I guess that that is a guilty pleasure of mine is that that shit. <laughs> so my my dad's family is um like Slovak or my dad's mm-hmm. dad like Slovak um very much grew up in, you know, a, a neighborhood in St. Louis in the mm-hmm. early 20th century where they were still speaking mother tongue. Um mm-hmm. but by the time I we were having Christmas dinner with my dad's family in the 1990s, the Slovak um, traditional Christmas dinner, which is very elaborate. Like it Mm -hmm. involves like, you know, like all of these like, um, you know, specifically made uh, communion crackers that have like different nativity scenes on them. It has a, a specific like fish dish, a specific meat dish, like multiple courses it had been mm-hmm. bastardized so by so many years of living in the United States yeah. that like the fish dish was now shrimp cocktail and like <laughs> like all of it had been like just like like multiple mutation basically taking a printer copy and like cop- uh, photocopying it over and over again you know and so <laughs> uh-huh. it was like in- incomprehensible from the motherland but still completely like thematically true part part of the tradition yeah yeah I love that. I think that that's that's funny to me because it's like I I know that trajectory and it it, and it always either goes like really well or just just like the bastardization is like absolutely disgusting. So I would personally have to try that shit to be like to decide whether it's just gross. It was not great. You know, one thing I'm thankful for, um, one specific thing I'm thankful for right now doing this is that um, this podcast is just going to be me fucking calling white people out on their (laughs) ridiculous shit. And I am no longer afraid of fucking, you know, what's decency in the way we were talking about it (laughs) because yeah like y'all come up with some wild shit dude i love it i love being the the the, um like the the sounding board of it too just being Uh, like you're the safest person for me to do this like like asking ask being asked to explain things for for white people and being like you know i hate it too but this is my perspective on it yeah and and every once in a while, I'm going to be like, yo, fucking, I fucks with Ambrosia Salad. <laughs> <laughs> I think the safest thing about me saying this stuff is that, like, I am very confident that I don't fit into any, any, like, I guess stereotype is the easy word. But, yeah. like, I, I, you know, and it's a struggle for me, but I just don't fit into, like, shit. Because all my friends, for example, from home probably don't give a fuck about thanksgiving right like they could take it or leave it to me it's like as long as we on a large scale understand what it's about and are willing to atone for the parts that we need to atone for right like yeah fucking do that on the third third thursday or whatever every year like i think it's great and the food is wonderful and the community aspect is great except for this year yeah I do think, I mean, I think it's pretty t- interesting and in telling uh, that the Japanese, like, decided, yeah, this is a pretty good idea. Like, we should do this. Yeah. That it's a national holiday in Japan. And, like, obviously has been translated culturally into the the nation of Japan. But, like, that, right. I, I think that that's cool. I think that um, there's certainly no, something to that. Classic Japanese shit where they take other people's cultures and make it better. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Which goes back to my thing about, like, man, they really... Is the meal is the a... same? Is, like, turkey the same? Is it still... No, I mean, I can't... I don't... You, you probably... No. Yeah, but... you celebrated, like, kind of an American Thanksgiving, if you did. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Um, it's. I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's more of, like, uh, because it celebrates, like, laborers and stuff, there is, like, more of a... Uh, uh, homegrown harvest celebration, so to speak. Um, so, you know, you probably eat rice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's probably Honestly, rice. fair enough. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, but there is, like, a religious aspect to it, so to speak. I mean, you're, like, thanking, thanking the gods or the spirits right. for the harvest. Um, you know, it's easier to do that in Japan because, you know, there's not, like, a entire population of you know first nations peoples going why are you thinking god when <laughs> when there are people here that saved you <laughs> right yeah um but yeah i mean we could go on about that aspect of it oh yeah for evs yeah so which is to say i think of all the things we celebrate thanksgiving the way it's built and the way people argue about it it deserves to continue to exist Mm -hmm. um you just need to change some of the words out man yeah yeah we need to be show a little bit more deference to the story and maybe a little bit more truth which Mm -hmm. is to say that it is a celebration of free enterprise (laughs) it's so funny to me because for most of that article that you were reading i was like it seems like this guy's biggest issue is that they got the year wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it, it seems like he's arguing that everyone was talking about 1621 being the fucking bountiful harvest. And he's just mad that it was actually 1623. I mean, that is the weight with which, uh, like, libertarians justify their worldviews, though. Like, yeah. because the, the Slate article is like... No, this is wrong. Still, that the the that the they started being prosperous before they switched away from the communal uh, farming. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't until like sixteen twenty four or something that they actually switched, and that they had already figured out the farming. So the entire thing is built on a false premise. Yeah, this kind of it's so funny. It reminds me of um, the uh, there's a Simpsons episode where Apu is. Uh, taking his test for citizenship um u.s citizenship yeah and he gets asked the question of like uh like i don't i don't remember exactly but it was like what what was the reason for the civil war and <laughs> he starts going into like well since the southern societies were you know with the yeah. accent um the southern societies were highly agrarian while the northerners were more industrialists and because of the supply and demand chain that was created with these different blah 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 and the guy just goes just say slavery just say slavery and that's like such a great joke about the u.s (laughs) yeah because it i learned in elementary school that in middle school that it was about slavery and then in high school i learned that it was about all of these economic differences and then i learned again that ultimately it comes back to slavery it's like this thing of like understand the nuance learn all the things and understand that we will never be able to understand it fully yeah like stop taking it as the word i learned i learned that it was about that it was about states rights and i lived in the united states so yeah legitimately was we were taught that in in elementary or like whenever we learned in middle school i guess i think when i learned about thanksgiving it was very specifically not about giving thanks to god but it was about giving thanks to first nation peoples yeah who saved them through and it's those little nuances that i do appreciate because that that did lay the foundation for my understanding about about history and you know inter-societal relationships yeah i and i think i mean in the states i feel like it was more about the like the concept of of working together which you know like there is so much more nuance 
than than that, considering the the fact mm-hmm. that like Squanto, who is the you know the famous First Nations person, then was actually sold into slavery in Europe after mm-hmm. the story of Thanksgiving. But if we're going to create a like parable to teach mm-hmm. children, mm-hmm. I like the idea of like uh, disparate peoples coming together. Yeah. To share, to break bread. Like, I do, I mean, I know that, like, contextually and historically, there needs to be more nuance to it. We need to understand that nuance. But, like, as a parable, I mm-hmm. like that a hell of a lot more than I like the idea that it's about socialism not working and free enterprise being, you know, like that. Yeah. That if we're going to take some sort of simple story, it's like, oh, the story of America is a story of different diverse groups of people coming together and breaking bread. Mm-hmm. There is much more to it, uh, right? From many different angles, but, it, but it, that it is, is the foundation yeah. in a way that I can get behind. Yeah, absolutely. That is the like the hierarchical dream, like mm-hmm. the the you know the the American project. I don't know. It's interesting. It is interesting, man. Hey, well, folks, I hope that um, you have felt a little less lonely today. Uh, I know that once we sign off, you're going to be sitting alone in your house again. So, um, yeah, hopefully you don't feel too shitty about doing anything for Thanksgiving alone. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I I support that. I support that. I think you should feel good on this day. And I I think I hope that um, you got some laughs and then maybe you think about things a little bit. But but don't don't feel like this is a day that has to die yeah you can start feeling guilty tomorrow how about that yeah yeah when you're in line you know getting covid buying trying to get a flat screen tv for 50 bucks oh good point uh oh my god black friday is gonna be wild i don't even want to think about it what Uh, what is even gonna happen is there it i hope it doesn't happen i it's gonna happen huh i mean i just don't Here's my, this is the thing about like, every time I assume that it probably won't, because obviously it shouldn't, I am again reminded of how large this country is and how many people think differently than I do. Yeah. Well, here's the deal, listeners. If you're listening to this, let's say it's about 5 p.m. on the, on Thanksgiving, um, get in your car, maybe take a (laughs) megaphone with you and Mm -hmm. go down, find the nearest Best Buy to you. And just just rail into anybody that's standing in line. Just call yeah. them a fucking loser or mm. I don't know. Actually, don't do that. Just just live your life and try just and not get COVID life. and don't and spread you it. Go. That's like oh my gosh, is this is this the moment we're turning into like what we consider traditional twentieth century conservatives as we get older? <laughs> Where it's like just live your life. Yeah, like don't don't get into other people's business. Uh, as Charlie Kirk would say, Thanksgiving is all about de-escalating conflict. <laughs> I can't believe Black Friday exists. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't believe they put it when, when it exists. <laughs> it makes uh, no sense to me. Oh, goodness. Um, I'm reading, I'm reading, um, Kami's Myth of Sisyphus and other essays. Nice. Which is just like. Honestly, it's like the dumbest thing to read right now. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. No, because it just makes me more angry about shit. Um, you it, should honestly <laughs> read like Brene Brown or something instead. Yeah, well, I'm also reading um, Minor Feelings by Kathy Park Hong, which has become kind of like the Asian American Bible Nice. Uh, this year. I like and, it. You know, it's just, just like everything else in america it is simultaneously amazing and empowering and then also devastating oh i believe it i believe it yeah this is a country of bifurcations yeah and what what hopefully my goal individually i'm not saying this is the goal of the podcast but my goal is to illuminate both sides of the bifurcation and hopefully get people to walk the middle path by understanding both sides which isn't to say to be a political centrist yeah uh but to you know for your own sanity try to understand both sides and find some amount of middle ground that will keep you going just try and be a little bit more buddhist 
that's really what it is. Yeah. I mean, Buddhism is going to be what saves us. There's a reason that in Arrival, it's it's the Chinese general's wife's last words that saves them all because the the traditional social you know teachings the teachings of eastern philosophy have figured it out and that's what the u.s needs the most right now and they just can't because asian guys have small dicks and they just can't get past that joke (laughs) (sighs) oh it's a good joke to be fair it is a good joke. <laughs> and it's a joke that it's a gift that keeps on giving. It just continues. even even if even if Asian dicks don't keep on giving, the yep, joke does. The joke goes on. Uh, well, on that note, folks, we're gonna let you. We let you go. Let you go. Eat that cranberry sauce out of a can. Oh, I do have one very important. Question. Oh yeah, yeah. When it comes to cranberry sauce, are you like a make it homemade purist, or are you like that jelly shit? I. I don't like either. I'm not a mm. cranberry guy. Yeah. I was not expecting that yep. option C. It is low on my Thanksgiving list. I, it doesn't make my plate. It sometimes makes the sandwich after, but never yeah, my first sandwich. plate. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. I really like that thick slice of candy jelly. I believe that. That makes perfect <laughs> sense to me. That, so uh, that it doesn't surprise me at all. Thank you all for listening. Thanks, guys. Adios. Adios.